back, Freedom Fighters. It's your host, Mason and Nick. What's up, everybody? You say that every time, Nick. You gotta come up with a better intro. Oh, like you haven't used Freedom Fighters before. No, they used to be the Freedom Freaks, but now we're just the Freedom Fighters. Yeah, but I feel like that sounds like... Like we're, like we're a revolutionary group or something. Like the... You think like we're gonna get pulled off the internet? I don't know. It, it sounds like we're gonna like, rebel or something. So, not to get into a conspiracy, but I was reading about the Waco, Texas incident today, and Wait, I know what that happened in Waco, Texas. Basically. Uh, this group created like their own compound. You know how you know it's like a it's a I don't want to say cult because cult is definitely a word that's been created to have a negative connotation. But it was essentially a cult. But they started having like they started getting so self sustainable. Okay, this is the conspiracy theory. The conspiracy theory is that they were getting so self sustainable that the federal government actually saw them as a threat to like yo like. They are not dependent on us anymore, and therefore they're a threat to our power. And so they came up with an excuse to kill them all. But so, but really, what they got caught for was this is this this is apparently what happened was that some uh, so they were shipping guns, illegal gun parts. That's part of how they made their profit. And which is illegal, so you know, they're off the bat, it kind of kills the conspiracy. But we could take it a little farther. So, apparently, the a mailman accidentally looked into one of their packages and saw the gun parts and then called in the FBI. But let's be honest, they probably had them under surveillance for long before they got caught for that. So, I mean, at the end of the day, they were doing something illegal by federal law, so it kind of disproves the conspiracy but at the same time it's also like so well you see well i i don't know i'm just weird but something that caught my eye on that story was the mailman so if it's true that he looked into their package so 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 yes the mailman did a good deed by calling the fbi but he did a terrible thing by actually looking into the package. Well, no, I think it was, I think it was, I think, so I didn't actually read the whole thing, which you probably should have read more into it before we started talking about it in front of all of our listeners. But I think it was more like something happened that, that like maybe he dropped the package or something and it just happened to break open. I don't know what it was, but so I'm just saying that legally the government is cleared for whatever actions they took, but essentially what happened was they used. This is what I'm saying. This is where this is where the conspiracy really is, or where you can kind of get behind it is the fact that the argument is that although justified, the government used this raid as a way to stop illegal drug gun trade, which should be stopped per se. But in doing so, then the people that lived in Waco started to fight back. And which it, at which point the FBI just killed everyone. So so it was like, all right, did you just kill everybody or were you trying to stop some illegal gun trade? I don't know. Or are you just trying to wipe out a group of people that you saw as a threat to, you know, the government? 
So the way I just, I haven't read the story, but just from what I've heard from your part of the story, I th don't think it's a conspiracy. I could see it being just as simple as mailman saw what was in the package, reported it, and then the FBI took them down. You always got to be worried, though. It could though. be just that simple. So you always got to be worried, though, because everyone has heard the uh, the saying that history is written by the winner, which is true. History is written by the winner. The story is written by the winner. So you have to be wary. And it's something that it's very hard for people to get their head around. And I, it's part of freedom of thought. Freedom of thought is not, don't you don't have to be crazy. You don't have to be, like, questioning everything. You don't have to be, like... Uh, you don't have to be like Alex Jones, and which on that point, uh, I was in a, one of Joe Rogan's podcasts, and he was talking about Alex Jones and said, "Hey, I've met the guy. He's not that bad of a guy." But what he thinks happened was that he became so enveloped by conspiracy theories that he started to believe they all were true. So that's why he actually he actually like quote unquote lost his mind per se to. You know, where now he thinks well, all conspiracies are true. Well, I could see how that could easily be a thing where, like, like you surround yourself around it, and then you're right one time out of, like, a thousand. Now right. you think all of them are right. But but which one is right, though? You know, that, that's the question. If one is right, so out of so out of out of Waco, JFK, MLK, we can even get weird with the 9-11, Pearl Harbor... Like, if you guys have heard of any of these conspiracies, if any one of those five I just listed were true, the world implodes. You know what I mean? So what do you what what what's what do we say there? Well, I I don't think he was right about any of those as a thing. He was he was probably right about like some really small thing, and that and he probably got surrounded. He probably just got false confidence off of that. But I'm just saying that. You have to be wary of the information you're fed. You really do, because you never know. You know, because all what think if this is what people don't realize, and this is part of freedom of thought. It's asking questions and and you know doing research on your own. You have to be proactive in everything you do. That's what freedom of power is all about. It's taking action. It's being proactive. It is flipping that switch from off to on. It's that switch that has been turned off by society and by complacency, whether it be a complacency of comfort or just a complacency of your position in life as an employee and as not being in control of your own life. Whichever it is, and whether it's you're forced to be complacent or you're complacent just because life is so comfortable that you choose to be complacent, whichever it is, your switch has been turned off. And that's what we're doing here on Freedom and Power is to flip that switch on to get you to be proactive, to be proactive in your finances, to be proactive in your movements and what you do. And part of it is to be proactive in your thought. And it's not to just take every piece of information that you hear at face value. Because when we talk about things like this, when it talk, we talk about winners right history, the fact is that outside of your immediate field of control, outside of the things that you see firsthand, everything else all the other information you got from a you know a third party you got 
from a secondhand source where you someone told you something that they saw, or even more likely, you read it somewhere. And every place that you read something, they have a goal at that place, whether it's Fox News, CNN, CNNBC, whether it's some online news agency, all of these places, they have a goal and they specifically tailor the stories that they're telling you based on whatever their goal is. Well, all right. So like to put it in like a very simple way is like, so I was talking to someone and they're telling me about someone else's breakup. And then, so the way they explained it was just, there's three sides to every story. So using the breakup example, there's his side, her side, and then the truth. So a lot of what people are fed is his side and her side. They're just fed with the, they're fed a certain angle. Right. And And then there's the truth of all of it, which a lot of people may not hear. And I say that's my point is not to say one source is more credible than the other. But it's to make you aware of just how much of the information you receive on a daily basis is not is first vetted and created by a third party. You know what I mean? Like I always used to take this. This is always an interesting example. This is totally off the radar and I'm crazy for saying it, but I'm going to say it anyways. I used to always think whenever I would uh, fly to school, like what if like. The, what if all of us just lived in this big, like, compound, like some, some you know, like uh, The Giver? Have you read the book The Giver? Mm-hmm. Where it's all controlled? I love that book. Like, what if when I took off in the plane and then landed, I low-key just landed in the same place that I took off from, but just a little bit different? Like, who's tell, who, like, how do I know that I traveled a thousand miles or two thousand miles? You know what I mean? Have I seen it with my own eyes? Have I personally driven across the country? So even that, and that's like an absolutely insane example. But the point is that how much information do you receive on a daily basis? Did you actually vet with your own two eyes? How much? Freedom of thought. Freedom of thought. Multiple sources trusted sources, maybe doing some proactive research on your own, maybe getting out there and go figure it out yourself. You know what I mean? Like instead of going and when we're talking about politics, instead of just listening to one of the the news agencies that 100% has a side, what if you just went to your local, um, your local government building and did some, looked up some stats your own on your, on your own. You know what I mean? What if you, what if you made one of your vacations, take a trip out to D.C. and go to the National Archives and get some information on your own? Go to the library. I, I mean, it's freedom of thought is not the most exciting one, but it's true. Like, what if you did that? It's 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 part of life. This is a little off topic from what you're saying, but something I've always wondered. And so you listeners who are in the U.K., uh, shoot me in shoot us an email at freedompower.contact at gmail.com. But I want to know how you guys are taught the American Revolution. That's, I'm, I'm, right. they, have to, they have to teach it a different it way. It has to, you know because I mean? even if, because here's what I'm saying. So the American Revolution, and this is coming from an American. This is coming from a definite patriot, myself. 
But the American Revolution is one of those wars where it wasn't good guy versus bad guy. If you want to talk about good guy versus bad guy, World War II was one of the one of the most clear-cut wars. You know what I mean? Because even after that, we were fighting communism. And once again, I do not believe in communism. And I think that it just cannot work out. So even then you're like, okay, but even but when you go to communism, now we're just picking two political ideologies where I still think there is a definite better one. It's still it gets it gets more unclear. But when you go to the American Revolution, like love America, love that we're free. I think that that uh, England definitely treated us like a colony and definitely treated us as lesser human beings, as a lesser society, because we were the only purpose of a colony is to build yourself wealth and resources. That's the purpose of a colony It's to get, go to a place, especially back then. It was to go to a place and have the openness to resources and to grow your wealth. So if that was our purpose, they treated us as such. And we said, we no longer want to be treated as just your mine for resources. We want to be free. So I completely support and once again, love America. Great. But it is a less clear cut of a thing. What can do the British go in their in history class and say, you know what? We were evil. We were evil, horrible well, people. I don't think they do. I would like to hear what they have to say. Well, uh, yeah, so, like, we were taught, like, the Americans uh, revolted for their freedom, you know? Right. And, but are are the British taught the Americans were rebels, and they won, like, their rebellion. Does that make sense? Like, right. Like, each word has its own connotation. No, I completely agree. I completely agree. And that, that ideology can go throughout everywhere. So this is another one for political. Let's go political for a second. It's not political, but it's definitely, it shows you how your your ideas are molded based on where you're from. So we're saying England versus America there, right? So let's talk, I want to talk urban versus rural, right? So this is, it's going to go hand in hand with liberal, liberal, Urban, urban versus liberal, or no, urban, urban versus uh, rural, but then liberal versus conservative. So this is a very smart guy who once told me this. He gave me this idea where this is where I go, hey, like how different are we as people? I don't know. But he says that so there's a lot of places in America where it's a very rural area where people have a farm and they have a bunch of land. They have their own water source. A lot of places out in the country, they have they have a pump that they get their water from. Even I have a buddy who gets his electricity created from a propane gas tank that pumps and creates himself electricity, right? He also, they have a sewage system It's a that just takes care of itself, you know what I mean? So it's pretty much everything is self-sustainable. So there's a lot of places in America where you're in the middle of nowhere and you might not interact with the government for weeks, for months, other than to pay your taxes and maybe you have to go into town to, you know, do something with your car, or do something with this or that. You know what I mean? Contrast that with a big city like Los Angeles or New York City where it has grown to a size that's unsustainable, right? So it's 
I mean, it's just, but the, it's unnatural. So you couldn't naturally have a city that big, just you doing your own thing. So in order to make a city like that work, you need to have an immense amount of government regulation intervention to make sure that it works properly. You need people to deliver the water. You need people to deliver the electricity. You need government to create uh, stoplights and all this transportation and all this logistics to make a city that is so unnaturally enormous that it couldn't function if everyone just was doing their own thing. You know what I mean? So this is an argument for the liberal mindset is that they have grown up dependent on the government, meaning that for good reason, a big city like that could not survive without massive government intervention, right? So therefore they go, well, I love the government. They're what makes my stamp, my, my lifestyle possible. I don't understand how anyone could live without the government. So I trust them, right? So that's why they're liberal and say they want more government. They want more government intervention. They want more government control over things because that's what they're used to. And then on the other side of it, you have the people out in the boonies in Texas or whatever that say, hey, I don't need any government at all. I don't know what we're doing with the government. I want government out of my life because I don't need them. I can survive on my own. And so that's almost a clash. So we go, we go and say, oh, well, we're, we're just different people. We, we, and we look at all the negatives of our different points of view. But if you really break it down, it's just a product of where we're from. You know what I mean? Yeah. That was kind of a uh, spiel, but. Well, yeah, yeah, no, no, that makes sense. Like, and that's why a lot of people, a lot of people who grow up in the city, always, if they have a taste of that, like just, they go out to the basically where the next house is like five miles down a lot of people don't enjoy that you know what i mean like they don't enjoy living in places right. like that because they're just so used to what they're but one of the one of the, the one of the points is that we have this huge division between people politically and i read something where they were talking about hey this is a quote from somebody that before you can convince somebody to switch sides, first you have to understand why they even believe that in the first place. So when you look at these people, if you just look at the person that has a different mindset than you, a different set of values, and you go, you're wrong, because these are my values, even if they are wrong, which I don't know who even makes morality, but let's say, even if they are wrong, like, if you just say, oh, you're wrong, what, what do you gain? First you go, okay, I might not agree with you, but you believe that for some reason. So unless you think that they're just an absolute horrible human being, you have to accept the fact that they actually believe what they believe. So let's see, why do they believe that? So let me try to understand why they believe what they believe. Before you, if you don't, if you, you can't just go around and say, well, 50% of the population is wrong because I'm on this side and they're on that side. So 50% of the population is horrible people. They're probably not horrible people. They just, why do they think what they think? And I think, it's something that can be easily discovered. And that's part of what this podcast is about is if you take it to another level, how many people look at the successful people that we talk about on the show and go, oh, they're just lucky. They're just way too smart or they're way too athletic. They're just lucky. There's no way that's possible. But then we break it down and go, okay, 
Are they just crazy people that somehow got lucky? Or did they do it through a simple set of actions and hard work and networking? You know what I mean? So it's kind of, it kind of goes hand in hand. I think that if you look at anything in the world that you don't understand, instead of just giving it a blanket statement of they're crazy or it's weird or that was luck or those are bad people, if you go, wait a second, let me take a step back, use some freedom of thought and try to understand how they got there. Why do they think that way? Why is, why is that their preference? I, I mean, then you'd really start to well, get a grip on. Well, yeah, you got to look at it in other people's perspective when it comes to really all aspects of life, not even just politics. In almost everything in life, everyone's heard the expression, put yourself in, in somebody else's shoes or put yourself in their shoes. It's the same thing, and I feel like a lot of people aren't doing that enough. They're not. They're not using their freedom of thought, right? And trying to think about the I way mean, other people look at things. They say there's always the quote that says people fear what they don't understand. You know what I mean? So people, you always are. You get scared, and then you freak out, and then you're like, "Oh, wait!" And that's the same thing with uh. Well, yeah, we've just talked about it. The same thing with this show is people go, oh, it's impossible to be successful. It's impossible to achieve massive success because I don't understand how they got there. So it's got to be impossible. But then you start to get, look through and start to take action and start to actually figure out the steps it takes to be successful. And you're like, wait a second. This isn't as hard as I thought it was. I just have to actually take action. And... And then you start to see how some of these people that are massively successful and realize that it's possible for you too. Well, you wanna know what seems scary to me? What? Going to school for eight years. Becoming a doctor. That's true. It, that was my way of transitioning to the person we're talking about today. We kind of, <laughs> we, we ranted a little bit in the beginning, but. Yeah, all right. Uh, but the. The person we're talking about today, they're going to, they're becoming a doctor and they also play in the NFL. They, they got basically two full-time jobs, one as an offensive lineman for the Kansas City Chiefs and another going to school to become a doctor. <laughs> That's right. just nuts. That's just nuts. His because you is... hear about, you hear what these football players do to like, stay in shape and they they're working out. They're they're trying to get better, almost every day of the year, and then to also be going to med school at the same time. Right. I couldn't do it, or maybe I could. You could. Well, first of I all, tried. you could be maybe be the football, but yeah, yeah, maybe. <laughs> his uh, but yeah. Anyways, his name is Laurent Devernay Tardif. He's uh, from Canada, and. Yeah, he juggles two full-time jobs, one as a offensive line for Kansas City Chiefs, and he goes to med school at McGill University in Montreal in the off-season. So basically, he has an agreement where he will work his ass off all season, do the best he can, and then in the off-season, he gets to miss some practices and miss some events in order to work on his uh, med school degree. And it's actually interesting that... He is starting this year. I, I was doing some research on him, and he he wasn't starting at first, and now he's starting. So 
we go back to what we talked about with Tom Brady and say, hey, maybe it's just having a winning lifestyle, a winning mindset. Someone who arguably might not be putting as much effort into football as some of his counterparts is seeing more success because maybe it's that he's a more well-rounded individual. But, yeah. Well, I, I wouldn't say he's not putting as much effort. I, I would probably say he... The way he probably sees it in his head, so he could be so like very productive in both things, is that he can't put a hundred percent of his time into it. So when he does do his workouts and his training and all that, he has to put twice as much effort as the next guy. Right, and that's what they'll. But that's what uh, we'll talk about later. But as I read, yeah, he definitely he definitely takes advantage of both both of his jobs when he's playing football, he's going 100% because, one, he's trying to make up for lost time, and, two, he's trying to prove to to his coaches that he's capable of juggling both. And then when he's in the doctor's office, he is working twice as hard to prove himself and to learn so that uh, he's successful in both areas. And this this man's no, this man's no uh, stranger to success and to trying new things and to really being just an action taking badass when he was 16 he or he's taken two year long sailing trips with his family so i don't know how you can spend two full years sailing and still have putting enough work as a high schooler to prepare yourself for uh college and then yeah to medical school medical school and to play in the NFL because I would assume that if your plan is to play in the NFL, you're probably working your ass off even in high school to get there. But he did that. And obviously he speaks French because he's um, from Canada and maybe a lot of people there speak French. He's multi-talented is really the point of it. And it's, it's, it's not so much that he's multi-talented, but it's that he's multi-interested. Right? So, you know, how many people could have the ability to be as talented as he is? I don't know. There's probably more people. There's probably more people that are capable of being as successful as he is, but just don't even try to do it. You know what I mean? He's he's multi. He's very talented individual, definitely. But he also is very motivated and wants to do more than one thing. He wants to do it. He doesn't he doesn't he doesn't do it cuz he has to. He doesn't balance med school and playing in the NFL because he has to. He does it cuz he wants to. So, you're allowed to want or to uh like more than one thing in life. When we talk about finding your personal definition of freedom, it can balance more than one interest, more than one job. And for me and Nick it does. Me and Nick have five or six interests that we're looking at all at the same time or, or trying to make headway on. So for this guy, he chose two and he's being massively successful in two of some of two of the hardest things you can do, you know, in the plant on the planet. Yeah. And, and I, I feel like there's a lot of athletic and smart people out there. And well, I, I feel like, I don't know if it's just like the education system. I feel like you're kind of taught that in high school though. You know what I mean? Like, like, if you're going to get a scholarship somewhere, for example, they they either say get really good grades or be really good at a sport. They they never usually say, oh, do both phenomenally. Like, I know, I, I never heard my counselor tell me you have to do both phenomenally and 
continue to do both phenomenally to be successful or to get a scholarship. I've always heard one or the other, and that's that's all they really pushed. Right. Yeah, completely. And it's even more than that. It's even if you, let's say you just pick one, like let's say you pick academics, how many times do they say, well, you got to pick a subject? You got to pick something that, why not have more than one interest academically or more than one interest athletically? And that's what really makes, like sparks my interest is when I see people doing that. I see, I've known people that double majored in not just, hey, I have a major and a minor, double majored in economics and, you know, civil engineering, or I know a guy who did mathematics and mechanical engineering. How do you do that? First of all, how do you do that? How do you, <laughs> how do you, how do you do one of those things? And second of all, how do you do two of them? Yeah, you have trouble with just geometry, so <laughs> I couldn't imagine you going into right. a mathematics major. Well, you know, all right, take it easy. I'm pretty good at math. But it circles round on all ends on all sides, Mason. But even more, how does this guy take two things on completely different spectrums and then it's almost like it's really you want to talk about pro, yeah, the NFL is technically pro, but let's be honest. Med school is professional academics. Let's let's see. This man <laughs> is a pro player in two different fields. How? How does he do it? Some people might say, well, he's talented. Or is it that he is a hard worker? Because I'll read you a quote from him. He says, I try to make practice as often as I could. Sometimes I would get off a shift and a shift at med at uh, on a medical rotation and practice was a few hours later, I would just head over to the locker room and take a bunch of towels and sleep around the floor. And then my teammates would kick me in the ribs the next morning when it was time for practice. All right. How many, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like this man put in work, he put in a ton of work and that's why he made it happen. So Maybe there are some people now, people, people, you have to be realistic. There's some of you out there like Nick, who you will never play in the NFL. You just, you're, you don't got what it takes physically on the, on the man spectrum. You don't have what it takes. It's fine. Yeah. Or you could be like Mason, uh, who has no hand-eye coordination or any athletic ability except for lifting weights and you'll never play in the NFL, but. All right, whatever. Neither of us will play in the NFL. Let's just draw that line right now. All right. Neither yeah. of us. But. You could still do something else. You could still do more than one thing. Yeah, it's it's definitely possible. And um, when he was talking to his coaches, he told them that he would commit 100% to football when he uh, was in football season. But then in the off season, he would be able to skip practices and certain events to go to med school. And he says that the coaches from these teams that were uh, he was looking into that were recruiting him were questioning him, like, how do we know if you've had a bad year, you're not just going to quit football and go back to med school? And it's like, that's a legitimate question. But this is the more interesting part of it is not the fact that the fact that he was going, well, it is, it's, the, it's not the fact that the point that he would, the fact that he was going to medical school kind of hindered his ability to get a spot on the NFL. The point is that he had other options. So they might make it out up front, say, well, you know, 
maybe because you have other options, so we're not going to hire you. But at the end of the day, they did hire him, and he was going to get hired away. The point is that you need to make yourself coveted. You need to make yourself, like, you need to have enough skills where people, the employers are coming for you. And that's what we talk about is if you're not going to control your own social income and you're not going to have your own business, have so much skill and so much knowledge that you're not looking for an employer. The employers are fighting over you. And that's what's really going on here is that he, people were coming to him and trying to get him and going, hey, well, you know, you could just go be a doctor. So why would we want you? Because he had options. He could go anywhere he wanted. And it wasn't like, well, this is your only choice. You either play football with us or you go, you know, work construction because you don't have a degree and you're not educated and you have no other plan other than this. Uh, yeah, it, he, they, he made himself. Well, I, I feel like a cool thing about him is like when he was going into these uh, interviews with the scouts and stuff, like. He, he was prepared for it. He saw it coming. So, like, when he did his interview with the Chiefs, for example, like, like he told them straight up, like, he would focus 100% of the time on football during the season, and then out of season he would go to school. And they were cool with that. Like, I, I, feel, like, I feel like they saw it as, like, this guy has a plan. That this guy knows what he wants to do. He said he would give us 100% during season, and then during the off season, he'll continue to work out and and go to med school. I don't. I feel like from the Chiefs' perspective, they saw it as a guy who's willing to work hard for everything he wants. You know what I mean? They they saw the they mindset. They, they saw the winning mindset is what they saw because he told them specifically, "You don't have to worry about me quitting football. The reason why I'm here is because I love football." He, they saw it was more than just. A job opportunity because that's one thing I was talking to a buddy and he was like he was saying hey I like college football more than the NFL and I don't watch enough football to know the difference but what they say is you could tell the difference between a college team that's still loving the sport and just fighting for the win versus an NFL team where you can tell that they're being they're playing for the money and I don't know if that's really apparent or not what do you did have you have you noticed that Nick at all uh, anyone who says college football is better than NFL was either dropped as a child <laughs> or, or, they, or they didn't get a public education. <laughs> I'm not saying better ability-wise, but maybe you see the motivational well, difference. Even better to watch. They're faster. They're stronger. They're they're more they're more athletic. They're better at the sport. It, People, I feel like a lot of people say college is better is because they see like scores like fifty six to forty seven all the time. In the NFL, average game twenty four seventeen. If you like college more than the NFL, it's because you're not a true football fan. It it means you don't you don't look at the, you know it just drives me insane. They're a hundred percent wrong. <laughs> NFL is a hundred times better. What's your what's the, the players? Even even if they don't. If they, they're doing it for the money, they still have to play well. It's probably even more of a reason. What's your team, Nick? Because in, in, for NFL? Yeah. Uh, the Colts. Uh, they're not doing too Are hard. Are you really a Colts fan? What can you do? Yeah, I love the Colts. 
right. Why? Why are you a Colts fan? Who's your team, Mason? I'm a, I'm a Patriots fan. Because Tom, Tom Brady? Only player you can know. So. No, I know. I know a few. <laughs> but anyways, back to the learning. Yeah. I mean, this man had a plan and part of him coming to them with a plan and that's why they hired him because they saw that he was being proactive. They saw that he was taking control of his own life. And that's what every one of you listening has to do. That's what we have had to do. This is different because he is at least still going out there and, you know, people are coming and talking to him. But like for the majority of us, no one is going to come and tell you to be successful. No one's going to come and, you know, usher you into greatness. You're going to have to do it on your own. You're going to have to take control of your own life. But when you do do that, you'd be surprised how successful you are. You'd be surprised how, and I'm not saying go out there and be an asshole and, you know, be the double alpha male who, you know, you know, throws his weight around. But if you go out there with a plan, an articulate plan, and tell people what you want out of life and you show them an educated plan on how you plan to achieve it, people will accept it. People will accept it. People will be like, this man is an alpha. He knows what he wants and I'm just going to trust. You ever you ever heard people say you fake it till you make it? It's true. Those, you just got to be confident in what you're doing. And I'm not saying don't have any knowledge about what it is that you're doing, but Know enough, but at the same time, confidence and action is way more important than the knowledge that you have. You don't have to be an expert at everything. You just have to know enough to get the job done and then be confident and proactive about your efforts in the right direction. If you're fighting over a some sort of bid with somebody else, I could you could be anything. It could be a some application to some school. It could be an application for a job. It could be to whatever it is, some contract. How do you get selected? And especially at the higher levels, everyone has the same credentials. So what makes you more valuable? It's the fact that you're articulate, you're confident, and you have a plan, and you step forward with a plan and know what you, know what you want. And that's the way it works with life, too. No one is going to go out there and teach you how to be successful. Because, to be honest, a lot of people don't want you to be successful because the more successful you are, the worse that they look. So no one's going to help you do it. You're going to have to go out there and do it on your own. Well, like, uh, something about uh, Laurent is, like, like, he had the discipline to, like, stay on track on both. He had the confidence, even when talking to the Chiefs, that he was going to do his plan. Like, he told them with confidence what his plan is, and he had confidence in, in himself that he he will succeed his plan. Right. And then he also had the work ethic to, to do it all. And, and the worst thing is, is if you don't, at some point in your life, if you don't come up with a plan and start pursuing your plan and start pursuing your self-interest, Someone else is going to use you as a tool for their self-interest. Someone is going to recruit you 
to be their employee. If you don't know what you want, someone else is going to be like, hey, this is what you want. And it could start as low as your parents. If you're 25 years old, still living at home with no dreams or aspirations, your parents are just going to be like, hey, like, here's a good idea. Why don't you try this out? And then you're just going to do it. And that's going to be the end of you. You know what I mean? If you need to, you you need to figure out what you want. And it's never too early to start. You, 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 you kind of know what you want. And that, that's another thing is there's a lot of people who kind of know what they want, but then they're too afraid to pursue it. No fear. No fear. Educate yourself. Start taking action. Start taking risk. And you never know where you're going to end up. And that's kind of why it's something that I've thought about. And take this with a grain of salt, but I feel like a lot of the biggest winners in the world were bad at school or were, you know, bad kids, quote unquote. Like, it's people who take control of their own life. And that doesn't mean that you need to make poor choices and cause chaos and be a douche to be successful. But at the same time, those it, the skills that you have as a, an alpha male who is uh, taking control of their own life, those skills translate into the workforce they translate into the real world they translate into business it's the person who in any in any society i mean we can use wolves as an example and for in a wolf pack there's there's an alpha you know what i mean it's in any in any society someone is going to rise to the top why not be you well, why not yeah there's there's really i in my opinion there's no reason why anyone can't do it and there's always going to be a competition. There's, a, there's always going to be competition to be the best. And I know to, to keep it on the football related, he didn't start out as a starter when he joined the team. He had competition all the way. And he was juggling two things at once. And he was just, I don't want to say he's better. He, he just worked harder than everyone else and that's how he became the starter he 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 became the alpha by his hard work and he was he had his plan he just went out there and he just he just did it just did it he just took action he just said i don't know i here's what i want here's what i would want to know if i talk to this guy i want i would want to know what came first the aspirations to be a doctor or the aspirations to play football was it that he was in high school playing football and then he realized he was getting good at football but then he was also like well i might also want to be a doctor afterwards so i should also go to med school or was it that he's always been an academic who was very interested in school and very interested in in the medical field and then just happened to be good at football and said well i'm this good at football i might as well go and try to be in the nfl i would like to know i would like to know which one he holds closer to heart you know what I mean? It's interesting. It's very interesting. Well, are, do you know if he's finished med school yet? Uh, no. I know. He hasn't. First of all, med, med school, no, he, he he's only doing it in the offseason and med school is long and hard. But so. it. Well, well, because I, I know he said something like how when he graduates in 2018 or 2019, oh, something like that. you're right. We should probably look into it. So, but yeah, so. Well, what I want to know is, is he going to be actually doctoring once he's done? Is he going to, like, during the offseason, like, he's going to have his own medical practice and he's going to... Well, I feel like for a guy like this, there's 
there's unique opportunities. I would say he almost has a celebrity status. I'd feel like that on both sides of the field, whether it's in football or as a doctor, he's going to have opportunities. I would, I would say with, and with here, he's also going to have the right. money to do if he wants to start his right. own business. That was one of the biggest the things was practice. no, no student loans. How many, well, how much does med school even cost? If you're paying for it yourself, woo, you're, you're working that shit off till you're like 45, 50, maybe, maybe longer, depending on how successful of a doctor you are. This man has no loans. He's making $600,000 a year. He has a, he has an apartment in Kansas City. He has a house in, in Montreal. This man buys plane tickets like they're candy going back and forth. He's making $600,000 a year, and that's his base salary right now. Who knows what he's going to be making later on. It's, it's incredible. It really is. It's absolutely incredible. It's a man who was drafted in the sixth round, and now he's a starter. You know, who else was drafted in the sixth round and uh, – Changed the game of football forever, Nick. Uh, Tom Brady. Tom Brady was drafted. Yeah. But uh, just real quick, I'm gonna go through another story of this guy in case in case you weren't in case you weren't uh, convinced. So there was one time that he (coughs) he was in Detroit after a game. He got on the plane back to uh, Kansas City. Three in the morning, he touches down. 30-minute meeting, gets cut loose around 4 o'clock. Takes a cab straight back to the airport from wherever their meeting was. Gets on the first flight, goes to Montreal. This is for one of the biggest tests in med school. So he lands in Montreal. He slept, sleeps two hours, studies two hours, sleeps two hours, studies two hours, back and forth for three days straight. Takes an exam that he had postponed to go on this trip passes with like a 63%, which in med school is passing. And one of the biggest tests you take is over because it was a pass or fail test. The point is that you have people in med school studying for months to get to take this test and to pass it. And this man played a full on football game. Everyone else is drinking champagne on the way back from the game. He puts on his headphones and studies. He gets back. He sleeps nothing at all. Two hours sleeping, two hours studying for days, for days. And then he takes his test and still passes. I don't even like the work ethic required for that, the perseverance required for that, the the fact that he found his personal definition of freedom and is willing to put that level of effort into achieving his goal and the fact that he comes out on top at the end of it he's a winner and then he sleeps for two days straight because this was his bye week and gets right back into football so for there's no excuses (laughs) there's absolutely no excuses there's, there, there's, no, there's no way around it because I, here's the thing. There might be an excuse that works, but I would really be hard-pressed for one of you listening out there to come up with an excuse that that outmatches what this man went through to be successful. Well, a lot of people say going to med school would be too hard. Becoming a doctor is too hard. Like, if they said it was too expensive, all right, I hear that. It is extremely expensive. But if you're saying it's too hard, but this guy 
played an entire football game and studied for the next three days and then took a test and a very important test, then I would probably say you, you could probably get through it if you put in even just half amount of the hard work that he right. put in. To achieve whatever you want to achieve. And that's that's even implying that what you're trying to achieve is as difficult as med school or the NFL, which it's probably not. So whatever dream that you're achieving, you're, you're dreaming up, whether it's something that's going to make you $100,000 a year, whether it's fighting for that job in an interview that, you know, is the job you always wanted. And it's not taking away from the difficulty that you're going to face or the action that you're going to have to take to be successful. But what it should do is it should alleviate the doubt in your head that you can make it happen. Because if this man can make it happen, anyone can make it happen. You can make it happen. I can make it happen. Nick can make it happen. And that's what one of the biggest things that me and Nick learn from every one of these episodes that we do in every is that it, it just motivates us. It, it, it reignites the fire every single day. The fact that all of these people were so massively successful and we're not, we're not, uh, Un, it's not unknown to us anymore. We're not looking at these people and saying, well, they're just lucky because now we realize it's not about luck. I don't know if you can find one person that it was about luck. I don't know. Like, pick one major success that was completely luck. I guarantee you. Yeah, I can't think. I can't think. I guarantee you. Every person we've looked right. up. It's always hard work that I, gets them there. You, it's all anyone that you could come up with. I can find a way where they worked hard. You like? Can I get? Can I get kind of uh, weird real quick? So let's let. Wait, you're not being weird yeah, already. Rob is being weird because success is weird, but in today's culture. But you go and let's talk about um, Justin Bieber for a second. People go, okay, this kid just started singing. Well. If you know anything about Justin Bieber, he was born to a 17-year-old mother. So God knows how hard that life was, right? And I remember when I was in, well, fifth grade? It must have been, I think it was fifth grade where kids were would be going around and saying, hey, look at this video on YouTube of just, this guy, kid named Justin Bieber. He's in Canada and check how cool his voice is. Do you know, uh, you, and, and yeah, it's not what, it's not what Tardif is doing. It's not what this guy is doing. It's nowhere near as hard. There's different levels of difficulty. It's not as hard. I'm not, I'm not saying it is. But I'm saying that as a, how old was he back then? 16? What, he might have been younger than that. To, 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 to one, sing in public, and two, post his singing on YouTube. You know, that's, that's, that's kind of difficult for a, a kid. You know what I mean? It's, it's difficult. So... How many of you out there, I know there's some of you aspiring musicians, how many of you have left the comfort of your shower to go and uh, get embarrassed on a stage? You know, I guarantee you every professional musician got hit with a tomato right in the forehead. I guarantee you they did. <laughs> I bet you Eddie Van Halen, I bet you, I bet you Steven Tyler, I bet you all of these people at some point on their first show, someone booed them. Did they give up and go, oh, I suck? Or did they did they get back to work and continue to pursue their dream until they became wildly successful? Well, another thing about that, like, yeah, a lot of people are scared to go out there and 
like to go for it because they're scared of the criticism and all that like that. But I feel like all the successful people and not just in music is like they hear the critiques and they learn from it. Like they look at it in a different right. way. They don't look at it like, oh, I'm going to go here and I'm going to fail. Or if I fail, that's going to be super embarrassing. They're going to be like, I'm going to go here, give it my 100%. And if there's criticisms, I'm going to take those criticisms. And I'm going to see what I can learn from it. And then I'm going to come back next week and try again. Right. And I'm going to keep trying until I get there. Right. There's a, there's, it's a mindset, guys. It's a mindset for this guy. It's a mindset for Tom Brady. It's a mindset for all of you. And that's why we talk about it. That's our call sign now. It's the switch. Are you going to flip the switch or are you going to not flip the switch? Screw everything else. It's not as scientific as you think it is. It's are you ready to flip that switch and start being proactive and start taking action in pursuit of your personal freedom. And if you are, we can continue this conversation and we will every episode continue to take the next steps after that. But there's no point in you listening to this show if you haven't flipped that switch. So that's the first step. The first step right now is building enough self-confidence, enough proactiveness, and just really allowing yourself to take that first step towards your personal definition of freedom. If you haven't done that, stop listening to the show because you've learned nothing. If you've taken that first step, then this show can work wonders for you, where then the people that we study every episode can work wonders for you and teach you things and chart to narrow you in on your, on your path. Whether it's a business guy like Elon Musk, whether it's a guy like this, whether it's an athletic person like Tiger Woods, who I don't think we've talked about yet, or anyone. Whatever it is, you're, we're going to have an episode for you, but it all starts with flipping that switch. And that's, that's, that's where it has to start. Yeah, and, and if you know anyone who hasn't flipped that switch yet, and you don't know how to like explain it to them to f- that they need to flip the switch, you could send them over here and we'll... Well, we're going to continue talking about the switch to flip and maybe they'll learn like, or they'll learn about the mindset. Maybe we can help you explain it to them. Yeah. If you're, if you're too nervous to try to convince somebody, I can do it. I've switched. I've convinced multiple people to start being proactive in my personal life. It's, it's something that I enjoy doing. I like getting out there and the best part is, and this is the thing. So this is why you might want to send them my way because a lot of the time you're going to get shot down the first couple of times. I've been shot down multiple People have been like, oh, dude, you're ridiculous. Yeah, okay. And then, you know, a couple months later, oh, can you help me start my own podcast? Can you help me start my own business? Like, what? show me what you've learned. Oh, okay, so now you, now you want to do your own thing. All right, why did it take us? Why did we have to waste four months convincing you? Imagine if you had four months of extra work under your belt. So, guys... At some point in your life, if you think that at some point you're going to want more, start now because you're just going to regret that you didn't start now later. Yeah. That's pretty much all I got for today, Nick. You got any final parting words? Uh, just about uh, Laurent. Uh, this guy was just a legend. And uh, if you didn't get enough of him on this episode, do your own research. Freedom of thought. We, we talked about it at the top of the show. Do some research on some of the people we've talked about and go even deeper with your research. Learn even more. Give us give us yeah, give there. us some episode ideas. We're always we're always open and willing to uh, communicate with you guys. That's what hop hit us up on 
any of our platforms and we can uh maybe i can learn something from you but yeah we'll talk to you guys next time